I want to drop a thought into your mind today. That when you got saved, God desired not only to be your Savior, and he is through his son Jesus, but also to guide you. God wants to be your guide. God wants to guide you through life. God wants to help you make major and minor decisions. You say, well, Jeff, can I make my own decisions? Not as well as he can. God wants to guide us. I'm going to begin a series today on being guided by God. And I'm going to lay a foundation. I believe it's going to bless you. And I'm just going to establish today in your minds and your spirits that God is a guiding God. He's not just a saving God, healing God, delivering God, but he's a guiding God. He guides. He guided the children of Israel through the wilderness, cloud by day, fire by night. When the cloud or the fire stopped, they stopped. When the cloud or the fire moved on, they moved on. They were guided through the wilderness, guided into the promised land. God hasn't changed. He still wants to guide us. He's a speaking God, a ministering God, a directing God, a counseling God. So I want to read Ephesians 5, 17, one verse, and it's so short and so beautiful, I want you to read it with me. And look what the Bible says here about the will of the Lord. Are you ready? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That was about five of you read that with me, so I'm going to try it again. Let's try it again, because it's good stuff. Ready? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what? What the Lord's will is. All right, Lord, thank you for your word today. Speak it to our hearts in Jesus' name, and guide us, Lord. Amen. And amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God guides. And where God guides, God provides. Amen. Now, I want to take that verse. If they could put it up there again, I'm going to take this verse. And I'm going to show you two things about this verse. I want you to look at this verse. Look at two things about it. First, the will of God can be known and understood. The will of God can be known and understood because he says, understand what the Lord's will is. So the will of God, the Bible tells me right here, can be known and understood. The second thing I see about this verse is that... If you don't know the will of the Lord, you're living a foolish life. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Knowing the will of God for your life is the primary difference between being wise and being a fool. Knowing God's will for your life. See, before we got saved, we were living a horizontal life. Everything was this way. We made our own decisions, went the way we thought we should go, but things changed when we got saved. When we got saved... We got vertical input into our decision-making. God began to lead and guide and direct. So in God's eyes, the number one thing that makes the difference between you as a wise person or you as a fool is that you know and understand and do God's will for your life. I didn't say that. The verse said it. The Bible said it. Let me drop another thought in your mind. Jesus died on the cross... Because we were lost. Now, if I'm lost, I don't have guidance that is accurate. If I'm lost, I don't know where I'm going. If I'm lost, I'm confused. If I'm lost, I don't know the right direction to turn. 
I've lost my compass. The Bible says, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. If I'm lost, I don't know which way to turn, which way to go. Think of somebody lost in the woods. If I'm lost, I'm lost in the woods. I don't know how to get out. I'm spiritually lost. See, you can make a boatload of money. You can have a great house, an incredible car. You can be called successful by the world we're living in. But if we don't know the will of the Lord for our life, the Bible says we're foolish. And we're lost. Jesus died on the cross because we were lost. And he died on the cross not only to save us, but to establish vertical guidance between us and God. To help guide us through life. I don't know about you, but I need a guide. You say, well, Christianity is your crutch. Yep, it is. What's yours? I lean on him all the time. I lean on him all the time. He is my crutch. I lean on him all the time. I'm glad to admit it. What are you leaning on? Something you're smoking, something you're drinking, something you're shooting, something you're snorting. I'm leaning on him. And I'm I'm glad to admit it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. He's my crutch. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my guide. He's my counselor. He's, he's He's my one and all. I love him. I walk with him. I talk with him. He talks with me. We got a thing going on. All right? He's not a religion. He's a relationship. And in that relationship, he wants to guide us. Jesus died on the cross because we were lost. And part of getting saved is he gets you on the right track. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So we can put it this way. I'm the way out of your lostness. I'm the truth that will show you how to get out. And I'm the life you're going to find once you are out. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Knowing God's will is the number one issue of life. When Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, was knocked down on the road to Damascus, and he wasn't on a horse. I don't know where that comes from. He was walking, and he was knocked down. And he saw a light from heaven. And a voice spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And when Saul, the Apostle, realized that he had been radically wrong in persecuting Jesus and radically wrong in persecuting God's people... And that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and the Savior. The first thing out of Paul's mouth when he was still Saul was, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? See, I think that's the burning question of life. What do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? In other words, I know you're Lord of Lords now. I know you're King of Kings. I know you're the Messiah, the Savior. And now you're my Savior. So the first, first thing I want to know, Lord is what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my life? What are you guiding me to do? What have you saved me for me to do? Because we weren't just saved for heaven later. We've also been saved for a purpose now. So he said, what do you want me to do? Which direction am I to go? Which way am I to turn? Guide me, Lord. That's what he's saying. Lead me, Lord. Counsel me. Give me direction. Speak to me. He, he instinctively knew that the saving God was a guiding God who had a plan for his life. Saul's question, again, I'm going to say it, is the burning question of every life. What do you want me to do, Lord? 
You save me, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It ought to be the first question out of the mouth of every born-again child of God. All right, Lord, you've saved me, but you've also kept me on the planet for a reason. So what do you want me to do? You know that Jesus answered that prayer of Saul's? Jesus said, get up, go into the city, and await my further instructions. In other words, you're right. I do have a plan for you, and I'm going to reveal it to you, and I'm going to guide you. So, So just wait on me, Saul, because the answer is coming. So I want to establish today, church, that God answers that prayer for all of us. I'd like us to practice it. Can you just look up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Doesn't that feel good? Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your plan for me? What do you want me to do? God has a plan for his children, for every one of us, and he promises to guide us through life. Let me just give you a a few of the promises that have been anchors for my soul ever since I was a teenager. Here's one, and they all have to do with guidance. God says in Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Wow, isn't that powerful? Look at that. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to guide you. That's a promise from God. I'm going to instruct you. That's talking about when God fills you with his wisdom. And and when he talks about instruction, when he says, I'm going to teach you and instruct you, he's talking about this book, what we get out of this book. Because let me tell you what this book tells us. It tells us what God will amen and what he won't. It tells us what God will do and what he won't. It tells us the way God guides and the way he doesn't guide. It tells us about his character. It tells us about his person. It tells us what we can expect from him and what we shouldn't expect from him. It it, it tells us what is right. It tells us what is wrong. When you get saved, this is God's instruction manual for living. It's right here. 66 books of divine revelation. This is the only book on earth that didn't come from earth. All right? It didn't come from earth. You say, well, Jeff, what do you mean by that? What I mean is, it's, it's God-inspired. It says, all scripture, this whole book, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It was breathed out by the mouth of God. This book is supernatural in its content. It is the very word of God. So when God says, I will instruct you and I will teach you, he's talking about what you're going to get from here primarily. I will instruct you. I'm going to teach you. Read it. Read it every day. Because every day that you read it, his word becomes a lamp to your feet. And his word becomes a light to your path. His word enlightens you. He sent his word and healed them. There is power in reading this book. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. But then I like this. I'm going to guide you with my eye. And I believe that's talking about the sovereign guidance of God. Have you ever been aware that God ordered your steps when you were not aware of it? Have you ever been aware? Have you ever met somebody or or walked through some door or walked into some opportunity and suddenly it occurred to you, wow, the whole way God guided my steps and I didn't even know that he was doing it. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And let me add, even when the good man doesn't know the Lord's ordering his steps, I will guide you with my eye. See, we're his property now. God owns us. He said, you were purchased with a price, the blood of Jesus, therefore glorify God in your body and in your life. So he orders our steps. He guides our way. This is what I want 
God to really make alive to us today that He is a God who cares about every step we take. And He oversees our steps. His eye is on our steps. I will guide you with my eye. I will guide you. I'm always looking down. I'm watching the way you walk. And if I think you're going the wrong way, I can, as Lord, veto your direction and lead you another way. I will guide your steps. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. He brings divine encounters with people who are key key to our future. And we're not even aware that God has been the one putting it all together. He guides our path to doors that he intends to open. And a lot of times we're not even aware that he's guiding us. That's why Christian living is not a boredom, it's an adventure. If you're yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who knows what he's going to do today. He's going to order your steps. He's going to guide your way. He's going to bless your path. We ought to be excited every day about what God is going to do in our life if we're yielded to his lordship. Every day I wake up and I say, Lord, my life is yours. Guide my steps. Lead my way. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me, but guide my steps and lead my way. My life is yours. And I know that even when I'm not aware, he's ordering my steps. The mind of man plans his way, Proverbs 16, 9 says, but the Lord directs his steps. Do you know that God sometimes wrecks your plans because he's got a better plan? I love it when God wrecks my plans. Oh, I've had plans before. I planned this, that, and the other, and I've, I've had God move right in and wreck my plans. And at first, I'm upset that he wrecked my plans, but then when I see what he had planned, I'm so glad he wrecked my plans. How many of you can look back and see... And thank God that he wrecked your plan. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord comes in and directs his steps in the way that he wants him to go. Amen. God promises all through the Bible to guide his children. Psalms forty-eight, fourteen: for such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. And look what Isaiah wrote. The Lord will continually guide you. How often? Continually. He'll satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The Lord will continually guide you. He'll guide you till the day that you die. So clearly, God is a God who desires to guide our life. But here's the deal. The Bible gives us three conditions... We must meet if we're going to experience the guidance of God. Now, let me ask, how many of you want God to guide your life? Amen? Amen? How many of you know it's better if he guides you than if you guide you? Right? So so here's the deal. The Bible says he will guide you, but there's three conditions you must meet. And they're found in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, and we all know these verses. They're some of our favorite verses. We quote them all the time. Sometimes I think we don't know what we're quoting. But look what it says. And these two verses are the three conditions for guidance. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Second, lean not on your own understanding. Third, in all your ways acknowledge, and that means submit to him. And he, read it with me, he shall direct your path. So in those two verses, we have been given three conditions for positioning ourselves 
for the guidance of God. If we obey them, he will guide us. If if we don't meet them, we're going to be struggling with finding the guidance of God. So first of all, he said, trust in the Lord. Now, doesn't that sound simple? Trust in the Lord. Uh, In Psalms 37, he says, trust in the Lord and he shall bring it to pass. It being whatever his purpose for you is. Trust in the Lord and he will bring it to pass. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. So trust in the Lord. Notice he says, with all your heart. Now it's easy to say, well, yeah, I trust the Lord. Oh yeah, I trust the Lord. But it is a different story when something major is on the line. It's a major financial decision. Or it's a major relationship decision. It's a major faith decision. And everything is at stake. And we know that if I, if, if I don't get the guidance of God, if I don't make the right decision, I'm going to be in a real situation. If I make the right decision, it'll be great. But if I don't, I'm going to be in real trouble. And, and it's at times like that, we have trouble. We struggle trusting in the Lord. But he says, if you want God's guidance, you're going to have to trust that he is who he said he is. That he's the God who guides. You've got to trust that. You've got to trust him. I read about a man named Oscar, I really did, who was apprehensive about flying in a jet for the first time. And I totally understand that apprehension. His friends finally encouraged him to get in that jet and go. And, and when, he, when, he, when he landed, they wanted to know, well, how was it? Did you enjoy the flight? He said, well, it wasn't so bad as I thought it might be. But I'll tell you this, I never put all my weight down. Some of you are going to get that on the way home. But here's what he's saying. I was a white-knuckle flyer. I didn't totally trust the pilot, didn't trust the plane. I didn't trust where I was. I was a white-knuckle flyer. I never really relaxed. But did you know there's a psalm? Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. But if you read it in the Amplified Bible, it says this, Let go. Let go. And then it says, Relax. Knowing that I am God. In other words, I've got it and I've got you and where I want you to go and how I want you to get there and when I want you to get there is all in my hands. I want you to put all your weight down. I want you to let go and I want you to relax and I want you to know that thou shalt not sweat it. The 11th commandment, thou shalt not sweat it. Because God's going to get you there. God is fully capable of getting you there. God's going to be sure. God will absolutely guarantee your safe arrival. So trust him with all your heart. Are you trusting him today? Are you trusting the Lord today? Are are, Are you letting go and relaxing and enjoying the flight? Or are you all uptight about the pilot? His name is Jesus. Are you all uptight about him getting you there safely? Listen, Jesus had never lost anybody and he never will. And he never says, oops. <laughs> Amen. So say with me, trust him with all of my heart. And now there's the second condition to receive the guidance of God. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, that inter- an interesting statement. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now, we have a way of saying, well, wait a minute, God, I've got a brain. I can think. I have logic, I have common sense, I can make decisions, thank you. But God says, 
If you lean only on your own understanding, you're going to get into trouble. I was talking to somebody last week. Boy, it was a conversation. About an hour and a half on the phone. They didn't know Jesus at all. And I was talking to them about the Lord. And it got into some theological, philosophical stuff that was kind of deep. So I just said to them, I said this to them. I said, well, wait a minute. What is your source of truth? Because, see, whatever you believe, you got it from somewhere. Right? Somebody told you something and you believe it. They told you about life. Some of you today believe in evolution. Why do you believe in evolution? Because somebody told you about it and you accepted it and that's what you believe. You, that was your source. A teacher, something like that. So I said to this person, I said, what is your source of truth? Where would you get what you believe? What guides you? What instructs you regarding life and the way you're going to live? And here's what they said to me my heart. They said, I trust the intuitions of my heart. And I thought to myself, well, that's very dangerous. Now, let me tell you why. Because our hearts are fallen. See, we're in a fallen human race. The Bible says when Adam sinned, we all sinned with him. And, and we have a fallen nature. Now, yes, we're redeemed, but our minds are still being renewed once we're redeemed. Because our minds were so full of stinking thinking. And so God has to come along, and it takes a lifetime to renew our minds. And our hearts, the Bible says, we are not to follow the intuitions of our own heart, because our hearts, left to themselves, will lead us astray. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way, a path, a decision, a choice. There is a way that looks right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, your heart will look at something and you'll say, your heart left to itself without the instruction of the word of God, your heart will look at something, you will look at something, your natural judgment will look at something, and you will say, well, that looks good to me. That looks right to me. I believe that's the way that I'll go because because that seems right to me. And that's the way you think when you've rejected the word of God and his counsel and his guidance. Our nation has done that. Our nation on, on all kinds of things are saying, that's what looks right to me. That's what seems right to me. That's what appears right to me. That looks like a right path to me. But see, once you say, I no longer want this book or the guidance of God, then you're left to horizontal living, going by your own heart. And the Bible says, there is a way that will look right to you, but it will end up in death. And this is why we must not lean on our own understanding when it comes to the guidance of God, because the guidance of God will sometimes tell us something totally contrary to our own understanding. The Bible warns, get this, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. I didn't write that. That's in Proverbs 28, 26. He goes on, but he who walks in wisdom will be kept safe. Now, Jeremiah gets even more real. Jeremiah says, the heart is fooled more than anything else. And it's very sinful. Who can know how bad it is? So somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor Jeff, I've met this wonderful guy, and we're going to get married. Really? Well, tell me about him. Well, you know, he's not saved yet. And he's really not in church much, but I just know in my heart, my love will win him. 
And I say, sweetie, your heart is telling you wrong. (laughs) See, there is a way that looks right. There is a way that seems right. There is a way that appears right. But there's, when we follow our own heart, the heart is fool more than anything else. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. The only time our hearts can be really trusted is when they're instructed and informed by the word of the Lord. That's why David wrote in the Psalms, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Your testimonies, your word is my counselor. Jesus will counsel you and he doesn't charge you. Jesus will counsel you. Every morning I get up and I get into the word of God. Every single morning. Why? I need the counsel of the Lord. I need the guidance of God. I need the instruction of the Lord. I want him to speak into my life. I want him to guide me. I want him to lead me. I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. The blessed way. The the faithful way. The the successful way. I want to go his way. And So that means I've got to put aside often my own understanding. And trust what he says. Because his word, his testimonies are my counselors. Amen. So our own understanding must be submitted to God's word. Let me ask you a question today. In the major decisions of your life, big and small, are you allowing God to counsel you? Are you allowing him to guide you? Because he wants to. He wants to guide us all the way to our death. He wants to guide us until we're no longer on the planet. He wants to be our guide. So trust him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And a third condition, and the last one, for receiving God's guidance is acknowledge him at every turn. In all your ways, not some, not a few, but all your ways. That means every decision, every path. At the juncture of every decision, major and minor, acknowledge him. And that means... Well, Lord, I've got a decision here. I'm your child, and you know what? I acknowledge you. I submit to you. What do you say about this? What do you say? Does God really care? He absolutely cares about the big and the small and the in-between in your life. What you may consider inconsequential, God does not. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So whether you're choosing a spouse or a job you're about to take or where you go to church or some other faith decision you're about to make, he says, in all your ways, at every juncture, say, Lord, you are Lord and I'm not. You're the boss, applesauce. (laughs) Well, what are you saying to me, Lord, because I know you care. What are you saying to me? Because it matters to you which way I go. Listen, for everything that comes into my life, I acknowledge him. Everything that goes out of my life, I acknowledge him. Before I let something into my life, I acknowledge him. Lord, what about this person, place, or thing? What are you saying, Lord? What's your guidance? How often we read in the Bible about people who failed to acknowledge God and seek his guidance and what happened to them because of it. Two examples quickly. King Rehoboam. Listen to how the Bible sums up his life. He did evil, but he did evil for a reason. There's a because. He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Whoa. 
Why did he end up doing evil? Because he went by the inclinations of his own heart. Why did he do that? Because he had not set his heart to seek the Lord. See, I believe you set your heart. I believe you just be one of these people. You say, you know what? I'm going to be a heart setter. I'm going to set my heart on God and his guidance. And I'm going to acknowledge him at every juncture of every decision, at every turn. I'm going to say, Lord, what do you think? Because I know you care. King Uzziah is the antithesis, the opposite of Rehoboam. It says, he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long, I want you to read this out loud with me. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Wow. So here's Uzziah. He's totally opposite of Rehoboam. Rehoboam said, I'm going to do it my way. Do you you know what the national anthem of hell is? I did it my way. That's the national anthem of hell. Frank Sinatra had it all wrong. He sang that song, I did it my way. Frank, you are wrong. The Bible says that when we are in rebellion against God, that's our philosophy. I do it my way. And there are a lot of people in hell that have that as their philosophy. But here's the deal. Uzziah said... I'm not going to make a move. I'm going to seek the Lord. And as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Seeking God's counsel was the constant practice of people who were successful in the Bible. When three armies joined together to attack Jehoshaphat and Judah, the Bible says Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. When an enemy is coming against you, inquire of the Lord. Don't react, but act. Say, Lord, you see what's coming against me. What are you telling me about it? And God told him to do something totally against natural reason. If he had followed the inclinations of his own heart, he would never have done what he did to have victory. Because God said, here's what you do. You put the worshipers out in front of your army. And, And as the other army is attacking you, you tell your worshipers to sing a song to me. Tell them to get with it and sing a worship song to me. And as they sing to me, I'm going to give you the victory. Well, that was not, that's not common sense. That's not logic. That's something your natural heart would say. I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. But God said, let the worshipers win the day. So they got out in the front of the army. And here comes these three armies against Jehoshaphat and his army. And what do they hear? They don't see swords, spears, arrows, and shields. They see people worshiping God. And the Bible says the power of God fell And they turned against one another and destroyed themselves. And God brought a great victory because Jehoshaphat listened to the counsel of God and not his own heart. Amen. When Moses was asked a particular question, he answered this. Wait until I find out what the Lord commands. I could give you my own opinion, but I'm going to seek the Lord And I'll tell you what he tells me. Let me ask you a question. Did James write? Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him go ahead and make a move hoping for the best. Is that what James wrote? No, 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 no. James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's talking about guidance. He said, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it shall be given to him. Ask of God. Ask for his wisdom. Ask for his guidance. Ask for his direction. 
And he'll give you success and blessing. Amen? Amen. Stand with me today, would you? And I want us to all say together, to experience God's guidance, we must trust him with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge him at every juncture. And he'll direct our path. Amen. Amen. It's, it's Mother's Day. And I was thinking about the best advice a mother ever gave. It was given by Mary. At the wedding in Cana. The wine ran out. And everybody didn't know what to do. And Mary told the servers, pointing to Jesus, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. Best advice a mother ever gave. I could sit up here a millennium and never give you better advice. Whatever he says to you, do that. Amen. So I've shown you through the scriptures today how we're to live. Trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him. He'll direct you. Do whatever he tells you to do. Father, we thank you for your blessing today. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us and that you want to guide every person in this room. You want to guide us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Help us to live by this simple <clears throat> truth that we looked at today. Now, with your heads bowed, there might be someone here and say, you know, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. See, he died on the cross because you were lost. And today he wants to be your savior and he wants to guide you all the days of your life. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Think with me a minute, friend. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not just about him, but do you personally know him? I'm not here to judge you or to condemn you, but I'm here to give you an invitation. On this Mother's Day, what a great day to give your heart to Christ. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you have a question mark in your mind about whether or not you know him, pray this with me. You can do it. It's a simple prayer. Let's pray. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. Rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my heart as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed and you say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are and say, I prayed that with you. God bless you. Anyone else can put them up high. 
God bless you and you. God bless you. And over here too, God bless you. Amen. Many people. Now, when I'm finished, in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss the service. I'm going to ask those of you that raise your hand to come down and let me give you something to take home with you. I want to pray with you one more time. The roast ain't going to burn. Nobody's going to leave you here. If you're with somebody, they'll wait. Just come down and let me meet you. And I want to pray with you again and rejoice with you. Amen. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen.